for that. Lord, thank you for just an opportunity now to move into your word and prepare to receive what you have for us as we continue to look at, Lord, uh, your instruction to us, your directions. Lord, thank you for the guidance that you provide. And Lord, I just pray that you'll bring blessing to this time in your word. And again, thank you for this day that you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, praise God. I wanted to um, share with you a little bit. Uh, we're gonna, we're just gonna take a break uh, today from the messy church, and I wanted to get a chance to talk about the um, directions. And really, uh, this is the idea of vision and where God's taking us. Um, I've been doing a lot of praying. Uh, I mean, a tremendous amount of spending a lot of time with the Lord and just kind of processing and thinking about all the things that uh, we believe God's directing us. And again, when you look at what we just shared, that's very much, uh, hopefully, the evidence of all the things that we see what God's doing. I mean, all the, I mean, we, we want to get out there yes. and bring Jesus in, in really in a different way through our groups, through our classes, uh, through our contacts, by the things we wear, uh, by serving. I mean, we are, we are, I've just been prevented, presented with an opportunity. I'm going next week where I may be in a public school and have an opportunity to do some work there uh, that I'm kind of excited about. That, again, I'm looking for opportunities all the time, and one presented itself. I'll, if it happens, I'll let you know more about it. But um, we're doing this. I mean, you and I uh, recognize the importance of engaging uh, in, in, in just the world around us. Um, I mean, how could we you know, call ourselves believers and not get involved? And so we've been doing a lot of, lot of time and prayer and thinking about, so what is it, Lord, that you want us to do? And you know, I thought about, you know, Lord, you want us to change the vision direction. Do you want us to do something different? And I just keep coming back to the same thing, that we're called to engage. And so I, I just, you know, it's one of those things where it's like I want to bring something new every time I do this. So I am bringing something uh, kind of new but not new because I believe the same word applies, that we're called to engage. Yes, amen. And so in the next slide you can see that, you know, our, our vision is simply to engage. Uh, that's what God has called us to do. And that our commitment is Colossians 3.17. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Can you say that with me? Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. My passion's right there. And I'm thinking we still need more time and practice and understanding of what that means. You know, I, I think of this as a filter that in everything that I say or do, everything, that means tomorrow morning when you get up and go to work, wherever you go to work, you're thinking, I'm getting up and I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when you go to work and you start interacting with people at the workplace, you're going to do that all in the name of the Lord Jesus. All means every single part of your life. Now that's challenging because I'll be one of the first, at least publicly, to say, I don't always do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That is something that we all need to work at and practice at. So we're not looking for, again, there's no, no one's looking for perfection. But this is the direction, and I'm thinking as we go and continue, you know, we're looking, we'll be back next week in the messy church. 
and we'll be looking at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I am going to, it's going to blow you out of the water, chapter 8. You just, well, you just can't wait to hear that, I know. It was tempting to do this today, and I thought, how can I make this work? But we'll just have to wait till next week. Um, but the idea of that, again, it challenges us. Chapter 8 challenges us to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so I want you and I begin to process that in a very practical way of how we can do that. And so when you look at, uh, we read already uh, the, the, the section, uh, I think Dylan read that already from 12 to 17. So I want you to look at this and understand this is a common thread throughout the Word of God. You will find it both in the Old Testament, the New Testament. So if you look, if you go through from Genesis all the way through to Revelation, you will see a theme. You know, in the beginning it doesn't say Jesus, but it speaks of Jesus. So do all in the name of the Lord your God, right? And then it goes on and now it continues on, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So like, for example, whether you, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, right, do it all to the glory of God, right? I mean, can you think about everything we do? Every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment to seek his God, he did it with all his heart. And I love this, now listen to this tag. So this is uh, Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, um, uh, chapter 31. It says, and so he prospered. So if I could help you prosper, and you'd say, Pastor, I want to prosper in life. I want my business to prosper. I want my life, my family, my kids. I would like to see them prosper. Now, don't think of this just in terms of money, right? The first thing we go, we'd like to have lots of money. This is talking about in health. In, in health mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and, and all the things of life, how might we prosper? You'd say, this is a good thing. Well, then here's what you do. Seek the Lord your God with everything in you. So let's go back to this. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It is absolutely consistent. Here's the deal. I want you to understand. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Now, you got to understand, being an ambassador... For real in scripture that's a big deal and at this time it was understood you are the representative of jesus christ and so when you go wherever you go you are the representative i think a lot of times we struggle with that because how we drive our car you're an ambassador right. how you go in the store you're an ambassador how you deal with impatience you're an ambassador i mean all the things that you and i get into when you begin to think of it's just the other day I was struggling with my representation of Jesus because, the oh man, that person in front of me at Starbucks, I thought they would never quit. I mean, they got their order and then they just started chatting. Did they not know that I had to make an appointment and I could not miss my coffee? Okay, so you ever felt that way? And you just, you're so thankful that they're having a small group moment right in front of you. I was hoping they would feel me, <laughs> but they just kept on talking. So I said, well, here's an opportunity for me to practice my ambassadorship. Listen, everything that we say, everything that we do is to bring honor to God. Now, I got to tell you, I have made a choice a long time ago to practice this as the way I live my life. Now, I'm, I will be, again, the first to tell you, I don't do it perfectly. I don't think anyone does it because I've been impatient, I've been angry, I've been sad, I've, I've, I've struggled with all kinds of situations, 
I, I, at times I deal with, you know, I've been depressed, I deal with anxiety, I deal with all of these things, but behind all of this, I want the entirety of my life when it's all said and done that at least people know that that was the goal in my life, and I was successful most of the time, and I'd like to see you and I be successful most of the time, where everything we do is in the name of the Lord Jesus. When I received God, when I received Jesus as my Savior, that was got to be the most explosive, biggest moment in my entire life. It literally turned my life upside down, and it's never, ever been the same. That moment in time, when I was in college, and I made that commitment to receive Jesus, I got to tell you, the scripture when it says, I put my hand on the plow and I never look back. And that has been absolutely true. Not once in all of these years have I looked back and regretted that commitment. And so I've started a journey that I want you, because one of the reasons I thought, you know, listen, let me tell you, I was, it was not my goal in life to be a pastor. <laughs> Serious. I had a whole lot of other ideas and then God had a suggestion. And again, because I want to do everything for the Lord, I went ahead and said, okay, God. I mean, even when he first spoke to me, I still struggled with it. I fought against that. And I even, I, I, I went after other jobs. I was, all kinds of other things. But then God really got a hold of me. Can I tell you, one of the ways God, this is, this is a, a kind of a, a, a funny thing, but God spoke. I was in this program at college and all these big guys, professors and stuff, and uh, fairly actually well-known people. Uh, uh, anyway, they, they were all involved with stuff, right? And I'll never forget, you had the most uh, strongest influence uh, that Jesus used to help me and direct my life? It was the secretary of the organization. I was, just, I was just there one time and doing my thing, and she looked at me and she said, Steve, can I say something to you that I have from God? I said, well, yeah, because it's from God. I want it. She says, God has spoken to me. And she says, I see you know, hundreds of students, but she looked at me and said, you have something that God wants to use, and you need to follow the call of being a pastor. And I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I mean, I learned a long time ago, secretary is the most powerful person in the organization anyway. Can you see a minute of that? I mean, you've got to figure out who, where the power is, right? And it's not in me, it's in the secretary. You've know, you got to think about that. See, the reality of that was so powerful. Now, I still struggled with it. I want, I, I'm not going to tell you that. I'll, I just jumped right in with both feet. But eventually God got me. And I, I want us, and so when I became a pastor, I thought, this is my mission in life. I want you to be able to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I want you to honor God's word. I want you to be able to worship God. I want you and I to be able to become there's a, we have this mission statement on our website to be devoted followers of Jesus. I'm committed to that. Now, I know not all of us are. But I'm committed to the fact that tomorrow morning when you wake up, it's now inside your brain and your heart and your soul that you're going to be a devoted follower of Jesus in everything you say and do. And then if you don't do it just right, then you're going to ask God to forgive you you're going to repent, and then you're going to start over again at that moment. Can you see a minute of that? And we can do that. I believe that's part of what God's calling us to do, to engage. You know, you look at verse 12 of chapter 3. It says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on 
tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. Can you say amen to that? And then it says, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. There's that really ugly word. So we've got to be careful with that because you have to understand. Well, here's what that's saying, really simple. God created you. And God created you for a purpose. Right? You've heard this before. But sometimes it's good to be reminded that every one of us needs to find their purpose. You know, and your purpose, it's, we're talking something far more than just teaching Sunday school. That might be part of your purpose, but we're talking about your overall created purpose. It's like I realize God created me. When I think of the things, one of the things that I just love doing is bringing the Word of God. And God created me to be that teacher, that proclaimer of the word. And I just, I, that's how God created me. And then other things as well. But I think about finding that purpose and then realizing that God has chosen you. See, here's the crazy part. God chose you. You are one of God's chosen people. It makes you special. I mean, you've got to walk out of here going, wait a second. You mean God chose me even before the foundation of the world were created? The answer is yes. See, when you think that, you know, some, I, you don't have to raise your hands, but I bet there's a few of us that feel insecure. I bet some of us have some of those kinds of struggles with insecurity. We maybe don't feel good about ourselves. And for whatever reason, life experiences, things happen. But here's the deal. You might not feel very good about yourself, but here's something that you can, you can take home with you is that God thinks so highly of you, he chose you. You're not here by accident. You are a prophetic people that God has spoken of. And I'm not talking about some like group idea. God chose you individually. I mean, that's kind of an interesting thought to think that God thought about me, Stephen, even before the foundation of the world, that I would be here doing what I'm doing. And that's true for every single one of us. And so when you fight against that, you're fighting against God. Scripture even talks about that. It says how you, know, you and I, it's almost like why fight against God? You know, our own pride, our stubbornness, we see that in us. But God says, I have chosen you. And so because of that, he says, listen, you've got to create a purpose. You've been chosen. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to put on stuff. You know, literally like if you, you think about you put on a coat. He says, I want you to put on all these really great things of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness, patience, grace and forgiveness. I want you to put these on. This is how we're going to live life. This is how it is we function together. This is what it means to engage and do all in the name of Jesus. We do it with compassion. I can't tell you how often I have this conversation with people and say, you know, things might be different if you had some understanding some sympathy and some empathy and overall like showed some compassion you know you could change the world around you just with compassion you know just to be able to experience that to to be kind kindness and the idea what he's saying here is that when you're kind is you take the initiative to be nice and to find nice things to say and do to those around you and why do we do that why are we kind this is a test. Why are we kind? 
Who was kind to you first? So if he was kind to you, there you go. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look how kind God was for you. Why wouldn't we be kind to other people? See, somehow we're all, I mean, why is it that we wait for someone else to make the first move? The Word of God is saying we are to initiate kindness because who initiated kindness to us? Jesus. And so we're called to be kind and to be nice to the world around us. And, and, and that's with our family, with our friends, with our coworkers, with everybody around us. And then we have this, this, this humility, which is, a, which is a lack of that unhealthy pride and arrogance that we can carry because we know we're in Christ. And because you know you're in Christ, it's, 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 it's humbling to realize you have Christ in you. How humbling that must be. And then to be gentle. And gentle, don't confuse that with weakness. This is not gentle like being weak. This is gentle like being strong and healthy in Christ. And therefore, our responses are gentle because we are so powerful. We don't have to prove anything. We don't have to show up, uh, show off. We don't have to do these kinds of things. We don't have to be intense or large or big. We can be gentle because of Christ in us. We have the most powerful resource in all the world, and that is gentleness. Can you say amen to that? Amen. You and I can be patient. I like, I like the word long-suffering. That was what was happening in the line of Starbucks the other day. <laughs> long-suffering. That's the perfect word. I was long, it was long, and I was suffering. But the Holy Spirit works in us to increase our endurance to wait. I was talk- can, can I use that illustration on bees, Bob? This, Bob, you got to, Bob, he, he, was, he was educating me on beehives. I was thinking about this when I came to this about being patient, you know. I love what he said. He said, you know, when you work with bees, sometimes he says, I don't wear any equipment, you know. And he goes up, he's got what, seven beehives, and he goes up in the bees and I don't know about you, but bees, you know, they sting you. And so I would wear, you know, armor from, you know, top of my head. So I don't want to get stung. I mean, that sounds awful, right? And he says, but you know, he's, and I like what he said, the bees train me. And he says, because I learned to go slow and be patient with them, and then they don't sting me because they sting me when I move too fast or when I get too quick. He says, you learn to go slow and be patient. And then guess what happens? You don't get stung most of the time. That's why he's got that beard to protect his face. (laughs) But I love that, that imagery. It's like if you go slow enough, if you're patient enough, you might not get stung. Because I think our impatience stirs things up and then we get stung. God calls us to be graceful. I mean, I love that to make allowance for other people's faults and imperfections around us. And then one of the amazing things, and that's to be forgiving. And, you know, when, when people do things that hurt us, we forgive them. We're quick to forgive. We work through that. We've talked a lot about that. And then it says in verse 14, but above all these things, put on love which is the bond of perfection. In other words, 
above all these things, put on love or commitment, which is the bond or the unity, the togetherness we have that takes place because of our maturity. Really, protection here, perfection is maturity. We are maturing in Christ. And so love kind of pulls it all together for us. Everything we're talking about, all the pieces, all comes together because above all else, without God's love, it will not stay glued. So all the amazing things we're talking about require the glue of love that brings us together. The love of Christ. Can you say amen to that? You know, the priority of love throughout the Word of God. Listen, owe no one anything. Owe no one anything except what? Love. There it is. I mean, of all the things, it says, owe no one anything. Romans 13. It says, for the love, for one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments are summed up in one word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, right? This amazing chapter about love ends in this last verse. It says, and now abide faith, hope, and what? Love. love. It's in the top three there. You shall love the neighbor as yourself, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? So here's a crazy thought. When you receive Jesus and you, t- and you have the fruit of the Spirit, one of the key elements of that is love that comes by way of the holy spirit you're thinking how could i possibly love people the way you're talking about pastor you can by way of the holy spirit that's in you verse 15 it says and let the peace of god rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful let the word of christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms hymns spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts uh, to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love that first. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I was watching football yesterday, a little bit of, you know, catching some of the college games and stuff. And, man, just uh, the umpires, the refs, you know, they, someone would do something wrong, whistle blows, they throw in the flag. You know, everything stops because uh, there, something went wrong. That, that, that is the language of verse 15. Let the peace of God umpire your heart. Let the peace of God, because here's what God does. When all of a sudden your, your things aren't going the way that you, God throws in the flag and, and blows the whistle and says, uh, 15 yards penalty. You're going 15 yards back so that you can have grace. You know, you've done this, so now we're going we're gonna to penalize you half the distance to the goal because you need to have more love and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I mean, that was intentional. The Greek language here creates intentionally the image of athletics. That's what they were thinking of right there. Because it's saying, listen, your heart is the center of who you are, the center of, of so much. And it's saying, let the Holy Spirit umpire your heart. All right, let me be real technical with you. Let the Holy Spirit umpire the right and left side of your brain. How you think, how you feel, 
all the things that go on, the amazing things that place. Let the peace of God umpire what's going on inside of you. And when you do that, amazing things happen. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom teaching. I mean, look at this. It's like a, a one-two punch. Let the peace of God umpire your heart. And now it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spirituals, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I love the fact that we sing scripture because that's what that's talking about. Back when this was written, one of the ways that they remembered the word is by putting music to it and creating melody to the word so that you could better memorize the word of God. And so they used psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to help us because they wanted to really... Look what it says, in, listen to, to Ephesians 5. Make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You hear the repeated theme going on there. It's talking about, here's the thing, listen, church, when you're thankful, worship happens. You know, we're going to come around the table in a moment. And to, to come around the table in a way that's valid and appropriate and healthy and in the name of the Lord Jesus, you've got to do with thankfulness. Because if you don't do it that way, then something's going to be missing. You know, we believe worship is a priority. Coming around the table is worship. It's not just a, it's not a ceremony. I think you've been with me long enough. I do not treat communion like a ceremony. We treat it as a, as a time of worship. And so you and I are thankful to God. And when you, listen, everything changes when you start thanking God. There, there's a lot of things that, you know, I can suggest. One of the things is take on a heart of, here's, when you take on the heart of gratitude, you just, you, next thing is just worshiping God. When you're grumpy, it's hard to worship God. Some of you come to service grumpy. You, you, some of you even look grumpy right now. You need to be thankful. <laughs> or you need more coffee, one or the other. <laughs> but the whole idea is that when you come, you know when Sunday services actually start? Monday. So when you get up tomorrow morning, you're getting ready for next Sunday. Because how you spend the rest of your week will determine what happens on Sunday. Amen. You thought I was going to say in the morning. That too. <laughs> Whatever you do in word and deed, verse 17, do all in the name of the Lord, right? We've talked about that. And I like the tag on. Look what it says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, those are intentionally put together. Here's what the Word of God is saying. Okay, you want to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the, uh, all in the name of the Lord Jesus? We got to do it while giving thanks to God the Father through him. So you're doing all in the name of the Son, and you're giving thanks to the Father by way of the Holy Spirit. There's that trinity right in functionality right there, all coming together. Because, listen, that's what puts it all in perspective. So we do everything in the name of the Son because He is the Word of God. 
But we do it with thankfulness because the Father gives us his will. And we function in the will of God the Father. And how does this all work out? It works by way of the Holy Spirit. And when we begin to bring all of that together, amazing things happen. Now here's the crazy part. God said in all this, you have a choice. You don't have to do any of it. If you want to be grumpy, you can be grumpy. If you, if you want to not be thankful, you don't have to be thankful. But listen, if you want a rich, engaged life in Jesus, if you want to have the best, let me tell you, you want to have the best life possible. You want to have the best marriage possible. You want to live life to the fullest. Then I'm giving you the answer. This is my secret to you. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be thankful about it. You can't do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and then complain about it. <laughs> well, I did, everything, I, I did everything like you said, Pastor, and nothing's working out like it was supposed to. No, I, I just, I'm, I am not God. All I know is to trust in what God has spoken, and then you and I function that way. We trust Him, and then we are thankful for whatever happens. And we do the best we can, but thank God we have the Holy Spirit in us to help us. You know, when we come around the Lord's table, look what, it, look what, look what the Scriptures talk about around the Lord's table. It says, For I pass on to you what I have received from the Lord Himself. On the night He was betrayed, the Lord took some bread, and He did what? He gave what? He gave thanks. Now, what's about to happen to Jesus? This is very close to the time he's going to the cross. He's about to give up his life, suffer a cruel death, and go through literally hell. And so now he's, he's having what we call this the Last Supper. And he's having this final moment. And is he complaining? No, he's giving thanks because he's about to do, listen, let me go back over this. He's about to do the will of the Father. And now we're hearing the word of the Son who's doing the will of his heavenly Father. And it's, it's again, in, in work and in connection to the Holy Spirit. And what does he do in the midst of all that? He gave thanks to God for it. Because he says, look at the bread is his body. He's breaking it and he's giving thanks for what's about to be broken. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. When he said that, I'm sure the disciples were going, wait a second, I thought this was the blood of the Lamb. And here's what Jesus would have said if they asked that question. Exactly. You got it. The blood of the Lamb. My blood. The blood of the Lamb. My body. Do this in remembrance of me and be unbelievably thankful. Because if it wasn't for this, you and I would be in trouble. But yet because of all he did, because of all that he did for us, we have this amazing gift in front of us. As you hold the cup, as you hold the matzah, the the bread. I want you to think about everything we just talked about, but let it all be summarized. Let's be thankful. 
I mean, Passover was a time of remembering a great work of deliverance of the nation of Israel. And Jesus saying, in the same way Israel was delivered, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to deliver you, Christine. I'm going to, I'm going to deliver you, Larry. I'm going to deliver you from the bondage of sin and hell and bring you this amazing, just like Israel escaped the Pharaoh, you're going to escape something. And so be thankful. Be unbelievably thankful. And all of a sudden, everything else kind of gets in, doesn't get in a little bit of a different perspective. Thank you for listening. Tune in each week and be greatly inspired and move to deeper revelation. For service times and other resources, go to our website at alfc.us or download our app.